But I don't know what happened after he, you know, went on about whatever he was doing that day. I just started panicking because it was just like, oh, no, I'm in this big city where no one knows me. I can't go home. No one I know can and love can help me. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Why did I come here? What have I done? What am I going to do? Like I was just, and I started panicking so much and then I just went to sleep. I just went to sleep because, <laughs> because I was like, I don't know, something in my mind was like, okay, if I kind of go to sleep, I can pretend that I'm not here. I can pretend. <laughs> I got over that and I had a, a wonderful time. My host family was wonderful. But that first day, <laughs> that first day I was a wreck. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today is the second anniversary of Young, Gifted, and Abroad. <laughs> I've been doing this for two years. Can you believe it? <laughs> um, so yes, it's second anniversary of this podcast and I'm also excited because today is Juneteenth. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Juneteenth is a reference to June 19th, 1865, which is when enslaved black people in Texas finally found out that they were free. Um, the news of the Emancipation Proclamation and of the end of the Civil War took a while to get over there. I think there might have also been efforts to suppress that information for a while. I gotta look into that some more. But yeah, since then, June 19th has come to be known and celebrated as Juneteenth. And of course, we know that that freedom has been full of caveats and extremely conditional. And one could argue, or perhaps one should argue, that that freedom has never been complete for all black people in this country. And uh, so it's something that we continue to strive for, especially currently with the uh, police murder of George Floyd on May 25th, 2020, and what has followed from that, the, the renewed energy uh, behind the Black Lives Matter movement and protests and organizing and all that. So freedom for black people is something that we are sort of living in the present but has yet to be fully realized so uh, yes Juneteenth is a very important day for us to not only honor our history but also just to celebrate being black and to find joy in that and find fun in that and and togetherness in that and choosing a day to launch this show two years ago I was thinking in terms of freedom of movement, um, you know, the freedom to travel, the freedom to literally take your body, yourself, wherever you want to go, you know. So I felt like Juneteenth really aligned with who I am, but also the purpose that I had for this show. So yes, happy Juneteenth to you all. Also happy Pride, happy Black Music Month. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're here. 
And because it is the second anniversary of Young, Gifted, and Abroad, I am doing another celebratory episode like I did this time last year in place of my usual 10 cents episode, which I usually do every after every 10 episodes. Uh, so usually how that goes, I would normally start with reflections on how the show is going or how I feel about things with the show. And then I would go on to thank people that I feel like I need to thank and then leave off with uh, some sort of advice or lesson that I've learned that I want to share with you all. Uh, This time it's going to be basically that same structure. So I'm going to start with some shout outs and listener feedback that I've received over the past year and then I'm going to do the Q&A. So as you might remember, I put out a call for questions because uh, I wanted to try doing a Q&A this time around. And so I've got 16 questions <laughs> to answer for you all. I'm really looking forward to, to that. And then, just like I did last year, I emailed all my guests who appeared in the second year of the show and asked them two very important questions. And so uh, I got a few responses uh, to those questions that I'm going to share with you all. So yeah, all of that is part of like the, I guess the reflection bit of it, like an extended version (laughs) of that. And then I'm going to do my thank yous. So thanking people, giving honor honors due and all that good stuff. And then I'm going to end with, you know, whatever lesson or advice I have to share closing out this second year of Young, Gifted, and Abroad. So, yeah, that's how it's going to go. That's what we're going to do. So let's get started. So for shout-outs and listener feedback, a few of these I know I've mentioned on the show before as they happen, but I want to bring them up again because I found them to be touching um, and really kind. So first I have a couple of reviews. So these reviews were actually um, submitted to you know Apple Podcasts a year ago, <laughs> but I never saw them until very recently because Apple Podcasts only shows reviews on a country by country basis. So I could only see on the US version of the site, I could only see reviews that were submitted to the US. Um, So I have a couple of reviews from outside of the States that uh, are from last year, but are still new to me. So I'm going to read them out anyway. The first is a five-star review from Nemers1. And I think I have a very strong feeling that this is actually, um, Nemers1 is actually Naima or NB from uh, my guest from episode 54. But I never confirmed that with her, so I don't know for sure, but that's who I think this is from because the review is from Canada and and Nemer's one sounds like could be you know Naima so anyway the review reads fantastic stories great topics a great show with fantastic stories and tons of interesting guests they've been everywhere done all kinds of really interesting study and work and had so many unique experiences wonderful to hear their stories so thank you, Nemers. Uh, Nemers one. Thank you very much for that lovely five-star review. The next review is actually a four-star review, but what the person wrote was very nice. 
so I'm going to read it anyway. So this is from Be There, Do That out of South Africa. I think Be There, Do That is the name of a podcast run by a woman based in South Africa, if I remember correctly. But the review reads, Craving shared experiences abroad? Look no further. A friendly eye and ear on the unique stories of U.S. educated students and graduates, sharing their travel, education, and cultural exchange experiences. I love the conversational style and earnest interest of host Danielle. Also great for anyone considering where to go and what to do abroad. Give it a listen. So thank you very much, Be There, Do That. That is a very nice review. So thank you both for that. And (laughs) I don't know if y'all are listening, but if you are, I apologize for taking a year to actually read them because I couldn't find them. (laughs) I didn't know they were there. So uh, next, I also want to mention July of 2019, my friend Rachel, who runs Life of a Female Bibliophile, um, which is her book blog. She actually featured me on her book blog and did a nice little interview with me. And uh, yeah, it was a very enjoyable experience. Her questions were very thorough. I could tell she put a lot of thought into her questions. And, you know, Rachel and I go way back. We actually, um, when I first started studying Japanese in high school, she was in in those classes with me. So thank you again, Rachel, for featuring me on your blog. That was a really nice experience and I appreciate you thinking of me. And then in March of 2020, I received a wonderful message from a listener in Belgium who goes by the name Low Hustle. I read his message out loud on episode 55, so if you want to hear what Lo wrote to me, then be sure to listen to the beginning of episode 55, well, listen to the whole episode, but <laughs> listen to episode 55 to hear what Lo Hustle wrote to me, but thank you again, Lo, for listening to the show and for sending me such kind words of appreciation and encouragement. I really enjoyed that. Um, And then in May 2020, I got another message from a listener in Germany. (laughs) All these um, messages from international listeners, I'm loving it. This is great. Um, (laughs) So I was going to read this in an earlier episode, but I thought, you know what, I'll just save it for the anniversary because, you know, it's a special occasion. So this is a message that Linus from Germany wrote me. Hey, Danielle. Thank you for your great podcast. I love to listen to Young, Gifted, and Abroad. It's my favorite podcast. It always gives me a smile, and sometimes I start to laugh in the subway (laughs) while I'm listening to your show, especially when your guests are talking about their experiences in Europe. They talk about normal stuff for me and actions we do here in Europe, but for you guys, it's a new experience. It's really funny and also very interesting to see what you Americans take for granted and what is new for you here. By the way, I am from Germany. Thank you so much and keep going with it. Big heart to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, Linus. So thank you, Linus. That was great. I know I've already responded to you. Uh, But if you happen to hear this, thank you again. And I hope all is well. So the next couple things I want to share actually happened this week. So Monday, I, you know, I was going about my day, open Instagram to find that Candice from Abroad & Co., had included Young, Gifted, and Abroad in her list of uplifting black podcasts to follow. 
Um, and that was a complete surprise. Wasn't expecting her to do that at all. I just, you know, <laughs> opened Instagram and it was like, surprise! Um, so yes, I think there were like six or seven that she listed and I felt really grateful to be included in that number. So thank you, Candice, for thinking of me and I'm glad that you consider this podcast to be uplifting because, you know, that's, that's what I try to do. So, <laughs> so that was Monday. And then Tuesday, the very next day, I opened Instagram again for the first time that day and another surprise. Um, WGC Productions, I think it's run by someone named Jade, I think. For that day, she chose Young, Gifted, and Abroad as her podcast of the morning. So she posted about Young, Gifted, and Abroad on Instagram and also did a live tweet thread of episode 61. So, you know, she tweeted as she listened along and I thought, you know, what she wrote was very amusing. She seemed to enjoy it very much and found it to be informative. So thank you to Jade for highlighting Young, Gifted, and Abroad. And thank you for listening. So that's all I have for now in terms of uh, shout outs and listener feedback that I've received. I'm looking forward to receiving more um, in the future. But thank you to all of you who have sent encouragement or recognition my way. I really appreciate it. So next is the Q&A, and I got a good amount of questions, mostly from my friends, (laughs) but you know, I appreciate them very much, and I'm excited to get into these. I think this will be both fun and somewhat challenging, so we're going to start with a couple questions from Low Hustle, who I previously mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, The first question he asks is, what are your experiences with traveling? Do you have plans to go abroad in the future? If so, what would be the destination? My experience with traveling started when I was very young. Um, Started with driving to different states here in the US. Mostly to to like Kentucky, uh, because that's where my mom is from and she's, she really values family. That's incredibly important to her, so you know, uh, we've gone to Louisville multiple times a year, pretty much since I've been alive. And so that just became a regular thing for me in terms of hitting the road and going to another state to visit family. And then of course, you know, going to other trips here and there to other states and and um, going to Canada. Well, actually, no, I didn't really, I, I think my first trip to Canada was actually to Quebec. I was in high school and I was studying French in high school. You know, my French teacher organized a trip for interested students to go to Quebec. We went to, or Quebec, and we went to Quebec City and also Montreal or Montréal. And I remember that was such a big deal for me because I was finally going to a place where, you know, other people spoke French. And that was so, oh my gosh, that was such a huge moment for me because I really took French seriously. I mean, I still do, but you know, in high school, everything's like a big deal. So going to Quebec was a big deal for me and I had such a great time. Um, So yeah, that was like my first, I guess, international adventure in high school. And then in college, I'd already decided I would study abroad because I was studying French and Japanese, and so I just felt like it was essential for me to go to both of those places, especially since I hadn't been yet, and that was like 
I'm thankful to say that those dreams were able to come true. I went to uh, Japan first, studied there for a summer, so like two to three months. And then the following year, the following summer, I spent this, about the same amount of time in, in France. Those were both my first ventures overseas. So, you know, not my first time going somewhere out of the country, but my first time going uh, abroad, I guess you could say. And, and then it just followed from there. So, yeah, those are my experiences. Not all of them. I didn't want to give an exhaustive list. But, you know, that's, that's basically what my, my background traveling is. Do I have plans to go abroad in the future? I think this year is probably out. I think 2020 is probably uh, not an option. But of course, I would I would love to go abroad in the future. I um, am always down for going to Japan and France again. As far as places that I haven't been, I think I'd really like to go to Taiwan. I've heard some really great things about Taiwan from Irene, episode four, and Kenya from episode 13, especially about the food there, the quality, and the deliciousness of food there, but also um, how beautiful nature is there as well. So Taiwan is definitely a place that I would like to go. Uh, I'm sure somewhere in Africa, since I have not been to the motherland yet. <laughs> but I don't know where exactly I would go. Maybe Western Africa, West Africa would be like the obvious choice or maybe most immediately relevant to me because you know of the slave trade and you know most most enslaved people were shipped out of West Africa but yeah I don't know somewhere in Africa I'm going to narrow that down I know Africa is very um, is a continent full of various countries that all are different and have their specificities and uh, so I'm definitely gonna narrow that down at some point I think I would also like to go to more French-speaking countries just because that's a language that I speak and have invested a lot of time in <laughs> up to this point. So, of course, there's like um, Switzerland and Belgium and I think Luxembourg. I speak French in Luxembourg as well. But I'm more so talking about places in like Africa. I think it's Western, Northern, Western. And Central Africa and then places in the Caribbean as well. I think there's at least one South American country that's French speaking as well. Oh wow. Colonialism really really did a number on us, didn't it? That's sad. But yeah, French speaking places other than France and Quebec would be cool. Although again, I wouldn't be opposed to returning to those places as well. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I would be open to going anywhere if the conditions were appealing. I think my mom also wants to go to... Uh, well, last time I checked, she was saying she wanted to go to Singapore and Australia, maybe even New Zealand too, and somewhere in the Caribbean. So it'd be nice to do a mother-daughter type thing and go to those places with her as well. So, yeah. Number two, or the second question that he sent me, uh, that Lo sent me was, what was the initial reason behind creating your podcast? 
Was it something you would wish for a long period of time or that came by chance? So this is a really good question because this is something I was going to bring up anyway, seeing as how it's an you know second anniversary and there might be new people listening. So this was not something that I wished for for a long period of time. I never saw myself doing a podcast. I think I only started listening to podcasts in like 2015 and I definitely never saw myself being part of one. I think actually um, Danny or Isabel from episode 30, at one point she was planning on launching her own podcast and she had messaged me one day to see if I'd want to be a guest. And at the time I said, oh well, I don't really think I have anything interesting to talk about. So uh, I appreciate you thinking of me, but maybe you should, you know, find other people or something like that. And I know that sounds really sad, but that's... (laughs) I didn't think I had anything to say that people would want or need to hear, so I politely declined. Um, that invitation. But then uh, 2018 came around and a couple of things were happening in 2018. So uh, first of all, in 2018, I I was having kind of a, a tough time <laughs> and I felt like I needed, I felt desperate for an outlet, uh, some sort of creative outlet that would feel affirming in a lot of ways. You know, I wanted to feel like I could do things and I wanted to do something or create something that felt meaningful and felt significant. So there's that. (laughs) And then also uh, in 2018, I kept seeing all these different podcast related programs popping up. So one that I saw was like a fellowship of some sort that would have trained me to basically be a podcast producer, so learn the behind the scenes part of it all. Applied for that, didn't get it. (laughs) And then there was another program that required applicants to pitch a show of their own. And so I didn't end up applying to that one, but uh, it got me thinking, okay, if I were to start a podcast, what would it even be about? And so study abroad came to me quite quickly because at the time that I was going to France and Japan for the first time, the lady who did my hair and other people as well were, were you know, really encouraging me and saying how this wasn't something that all of us, all of us get to do. It's not something that everyone gets to do. And, you know, all of us, meaning black people, especially, you know, young black people. And I was like, okay, well, what if I were to start a podcast about studying abroad and I interviewed various people of color who have studied abroad um, and just, you know, kind of, you know, collect those stories and share those experiences. And I say, you know, throughout the show, I've been saying people of color because even though most of my guests have been black people and POC solidarity is another thing that has yet to be realized, but is... I use it as an aspirational term, so I extend that invitation to people of color in general. And then the name Young, Gifted, and Abroad was inspired by Lorraine Hansberry, um, a very important playwright, uh, a black woman who was a playwright. She wrote Raisin in the Sun, and then also her autobiography, To Be Young, Gifted, and Black, is... I read that book 
in preparation for launching this show uh, as a source of like creative inspiration and helping to gain a sense of direction, a sense of guidance as a, a creative person like she was. So yeah, all that came together and that is how Young, Gifted, and Abroad, this podcast, came to be. Next question is from, or next few questions are from my friend Diamond. (laughs) Diamond, you all might remember, I mentioned her last year in in the first anniversary episode. She is one of my best friends. And when I first started the show, she would like call me or text me after each episode I put out and would give me feedback slash (laughs) critique. So, you know, those are fun times. But anyway, her first question is, What's on your short list of countries to travel? Oh, so I just answered that, so there you go. Um, But as far as domestic or um, North American places that I'd like to go, in case anyone's curious, Houston is a big one. Uh, It's recently become a place I really like to go. I think it's the fourth largest city in the States. And also it just seems really diverse with, again, a lot, lots of good food. Um, I promise that's not the only reason why I go places. Although, if that is your reason, that's completely fine. That's completely valid. Um, but yeah, it seems really diverse. seems like really there's really good food, uh, lots of culture, and also some really talented people have come from there. So I would like to see what it's about. And so there's Houston, and then also Seattle, uh, which just seems like a cool place to go. I don't really have very strong, specific reasons for wanting to go to Seattle, which just seems like a cool place to go. And then also Vancouver, because um, I think Vancouver, Canada is, if not super close, then close enough to Seattle to go between the two. So yeah, those three would be on my list as far as within the States or within North America currently that I I would really like to go. Uh, Of course, that can change, but that's where I'm at right now. Next question she sent was, what is your favorite road trip adventure in the States and why? Let's see. I don't know if it counts as a road trip because we didn't really go that far and we didn't stop anywhere along the way. But the one that's coming to my mind first is a trip that my mom and I took a few years ago, actually, to Mackinac Island. She wanted to go there, and I wasn't really interested because I just thought it was going to be real bland, real boring. (laughs) I was not interested in going up north, not interested in going to Mackinac Island. Um... Well, she said that she had been wanting to go to Mackinac Island for a long time. I was like, oh, okay, this is somewhere she really wants to go, so okay, we'll go. And I had the best time. <laughs> I had the best time. I think the first day when we got there, I walked around all of Mackinac Island on foot. I would not recommend that at all to anybody, but I did it, and it was nice. Well, the views were nice. Um, my feet were, were not so nice after that. <laughs> Yeah, the first day I walked around Mackinac Island, and then the next day we biked around the island together, and then we went to like Traverse City, and 
you know, and then we went to the UP, uh, Upper Peninsula. So I don't know, we just had a really nice time together. I, and I was just really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Enjoyed, um, especially the nature and the sights. Like, it's really beautiful up there. So I guess that would be my favorite. And her next, Diamond's next question was, any aspect of travel that you thought was overrated slash overhyped? Huh. I hesitate to say that things are overrated or overhyped because I don't want to, you know, if people like it, there's no reason for me to like poo-poo it just because I don't like it, you know. But uh, I guess one thing is taking pictures of everything. <laughs> and this is something I've, I've had to grow out of over time because when I first started traveling, you know, it's such a, a, a new experience and, and things I'd never done before. And I was just so happy and excited and grateful to be in all these places. You know, you just want to hold on to the moment forever. And so you just want to take a picture of everything. But the thing is, at least for me, you know, I would take these pictures. I would come home and I would show them to my mom and like post them, you know, create an album on Facebook for other people to see them. And then I would really look at them again. You know, I still have all those photos from all those, you know, various trips that I've taken, but I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't really look at them. So I think, um, I think now I'm more so of the mind of just kind of enjoying the experience and appreciating the fact that I'm there and taking satisfaction in that uh, for myself versus, you know, feeling like I have to take tons of pictures to remember things or to have photographic evidence that I went here or did this. Like, I don't know, that's just not, like I take pictures, but it's not such a, it's not such a, a frantic thing as it was before. Oh, and another one just came to me. Something that I feel like is overhyped or overrated is really big tour groups. You know, like those tour groups that are organized by these big tour companies and usually have a lot of people in them and you're following, you know, a tour leader who's selected by that company and I can see how they're useful. They have been useful to me in the past, especially uh, group trips that I went on in like middle school and high school. And I mean, they have their purpose if you're trying to go somewhere with you uh, with a lot of other people and you don't want to worry about having to plan too much or be responsible for too many things that can be a, a convenient way to travel for you if that's what you want and for me honestly I'm kind of like in the middle where I don't necessarily want to go like travel solo everywhere I think I would prefer to go places with at least another person or a very, 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 very small handful of people. <laughs> but the thing with those tour groups, those very highly structured tour groups that, that tend to have a large amount of people is that I just think being in too close quarters with too many people for too long <laughs> really is not good for me. Like I start to, I get to a point where I'm not my best self. I guess I'll put it that way. But you know, in the future, I could be wrong. I might change my mind and I can't say I wouldn't use one of those 
tour groups in the future uh, and obviously like I said they still have a, a purpose and are convenient for for all kinds of people so next question from Diamond is what was the biggest culture shock that you encountered from a place that you've traveled so there's always that little adjustment period whenever you go somewhere new right um, but as far as culture shock goes hmm okay so the first example that's really coming to my mind right now is when I went to France to study in Paris you know I was staying with the host family the whole time and you know I was looking forward to it I was excited you know France France is a place that I've been thinking about since kindergarten you know I studied French longer than Japanese that was the first you know foreign language that I ever tried to learn and so it was like oh, of course I'm in France like this was you know years in the making so I felt like oh, okay yes this is where I'm supposed to be this is what is supposed to happen but as soon as I arrived at my host family's uh, apartment in their building because I had basically three host parents <laughs> I had the the woman who who you know owns the apartment or you know who who the apartment belonged to was my host mom and then the woman that she was friends with I, I guess had helped raise her kids was my host mom's nanny and then over time became one of her best friends you know so they were roommates in this in this apartment now so that was my other host mom and then my you know the first host mom's uh, I guess partner boyfriend he would be there sometimes too so like the three had like three host parents in a way <laughs> but anyway um, the host my host dad was the one there he was the one who welcomed me when I arrived and he showed me around the little neighborhood and you know showed me where I could go and was giving me suggestions showed me a map and was telling me places to go and not to go in the city you know very welcoming uh, very informative but I don't know what happened after he you know went on about whatever he was doing that day I just started panicking because it was just like oh no I'm in this big city where no one knows me I can't go home no one I know can and love can help me <laughs> what have I done <laughs> why did I come here what have I done what am I going to do like I was just and I started panicking so much and then I just went to sleep. I just went to sleep because <laughs> because I was like, I don't know, something in my mind was like, okay, if I kind of go to sleep, I can pretend that I'm not here. I can pretend <laughs> that this is not the situation that I'm in. I think I slept, I slept for like at least nine hours. I slept for a really long time and I even heard, you know, I heard the door creak open of you know my room that I was staying in I heard the door creak open and I heard my host mom's like talking like oh she's here oh she she's asleep she must be so tired you know okay we'll we'll see about her later like I heard them I was awake I could hear, hear them but I still pretended to be asleep or like forced myself to keep sleeping because I was so I was so freaked out about the fact that I was here <laughs> even though this was a place that I'd wanted to come like almost my whole life so yeah I, I mean it took I got over that and I had a, a wonderful time my host family was wonderful and I, I gained a lot of out of that whole Paris experience but that first day <laughs> that first day I was a wreck I, I was a wreck I think I hit it 
or I tried to hide it well. You know, I just kind of forced myself to go to sleep. But yeah, as far as culture shock goes, I guess that's my... <laughs> That's the most uh, immediate immediate example that I can think of. I guess another example of culture shock, I know guests on the show, I've said this before, and you know, people, uh, I guess a lot of black people specifically kind of have this to say when they go to Asia. But you know, when I went to Japan, I was stared at a lot. I was in an area that wasn't, I was not in a big city. You know, so there weren't a ton of people there who looked like me. And so a lot of people would stare when I was going out and about or just like an obvious staring, you know, and be like, oh, sugoi, which kind of means, oh, would you look at that? And it's not a compliment. Like, it's, it's quite rude, actually. <laughs> at least I didn't take it as a compliment because, you know, um. I'm just a person out here. I'm not a, you know, a, an, an attraction to be ogled at. So, <laughs> so that was difficult for a while because it was like, oh, why is everyone staring at me? Is there something wrong with me? Should I, should I not be here? Should I not have come here? But then I, I got used to it, and um, I just, I stopped noticing and I stopped caring for the most part. But yeah. Staring, being stared at is not fun. I don't enjoy being ogled. Uh, next question from Diamond is, were there ever any American customs that you found others had a hard time understanding? I think when you go somewhere and people find out you're American, people are very amused and curious about that. And then if you're black, American as well, that's that adds another layer to it. I guess I'm drawing a blank, because some of them are like really, uh, basic questions that people always ask Americans. I remember in France when I would, um, so I was like studying in France, but I was also doing an internship. So I remember when I was at work with other fellow interns, we would sometimes talk about how Americans talk versus how French people talk. <laughs> and I remember one time I told them how like in America, for some reason we'll say like, bon appetit, like, with the t with the t sound at the end, but it's actually bon appétit, like the t at the end is silent. And so I told them, oh yeah, in the states we say bon appétit for some reason. Like I don't know why we pronounce the t at the end, and they found that to be very amusing. Um, <laughs> like oh that's weird. <laughs> or there was like we were talking one another day about how when Americans talk, I don't know if it's for like. You know British people as well but I guess you know Americans um, as far as English speakers go when we talk we open our mouth really wide we open our mouths wide and, and we move it into all these different shapes as we're pronouncing different words and sounds and everything whereas in France I can't really describe it you don't have to open your mouth very wide a lot of the sounds used in French you know you utilize like the throat a lot like those sounds <laughs> like mon frère, France, ma soeur, uh, amour, like you know that that sound so anyway yeah I don't know I'm gonna you know later on I'm gonna think of something and kick myself for not remembering it but yeah that's the only thing I can think of is like differences in how we talk 
And uh, the oh, not the last one. Um, next question from Diamond is: If you could bring anything from the places that you've traveled and make it a staple to everyday American life, what would it be? Definitely robust and wide-reaching, as in regionally and nationally and locally. Public transportation system, like a train system. Can you imagine if America had a proper rail system where you could go anywhere in the States and it didn't take you forever and it didn't cost an exorbitant amount, you know? Or if we had uh, metros or more bus lines and more cities. I've been impressed, and I know it's such a basic thing, but you know, I've I've been so impressed when I go to a new country and they have a metro system, like it's, oh wow, this is real. <laughs> This is real efficient. This is real cosmopolitan. <laughs> or just taking a train from one part of a country to another. That That's like one of my favorite things to do is to ride trains. You know, ride long distance trains, ride metros. But I just feel like that's something that everyone would benefit from here in the States. But it's not something that everyone has, sadly enough. So that would be one thing. I guess also... So basically, I just wish... <laughs> that uh, knowing more than one language was more encouraged, more incentivized, and more normalized in this country. Because, you know, even outside of, you know, whatever that people say about, oh, it'll make you more marketable on the job market or whatever, even outside of that, like, you can expand your world. It can, it can help you, you know, it can be something that you do for personal fulfillment, is being able to know other languages and understand more of what's going on around you what's going on out in the world uh so that would be something that i if i could if i could make it a staple in everyday american life it would be more bilingualism or multilingualism and then what else would i make a staple in everyday american life um i don't know heated floors maybe <laughs> I remember when I when I went to Korea, I was staying in my friend's apartment, and I was sleeping on her floor, and it was heated. There was a like a dial, so you could leave it off or you could turn it on, and then once it was on, you could adjust the temperature to make it warmer or less warm. And I remember being so impressed by that. Like, heated floors? What? This is fantastic. <laughs> so I slept on the floor every night. Of course I had, you know, a pillow and blankets and whatnot. But I slept on the floor every night even when my friend offered to switch places. So she slept on the floor and I would sleep on on her bed. And I was like, no, I am I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I am very pleased with this experience. <laughs> I just remember being wildly impressed by this heated floor that she had in her apartment and apparently that's like quite common in Korea so that's not really a deal breaker like it, I remember sleeping on a heated floor and just chilling on a heated floor very fondly but you know I could I could live without but if we had that here if that was more of a, a customary thing to have here that would that would be very nice <laughs> And the last question from Diamond is, who are your top foreign singing artists? Uh, this is funny. Because <laughs> Diamond and I used to talk a lot about um, foreign music and foreign like dramas, you know, back when we were teenagers up until now, I guess. Um, so I wish I could say I listened to as much 
international or foreign music as I used to. I feel like I need to get back on that. As far as foreign artists go, it's mostly Japanese and some Korean. The occasional French artists, if I happen to hear their music on like French radio stations. And then whatever uh, random thing I happen to find in my YouTube recommendations. <laughs> That's like the landscape of, of uh, foreign music that I listen to these days. As far as top artists, I, I guess I'll just have to go to my longtime favorites. First being Crystal K. Crystal K is a black American and Korean singer who was born and raised in Japan, so she's in the Japanese entertainment industry. And I first discovered her because she sang a theme song for the Full Metal Alchemist <laughs> anime series. And, you know, I looked at that song and I, I saw that she was black and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know until then that there were black people in Japan who were singers and who had like careers over there, you know? So that really expanded my my view and helped also in increase my desire to to want to go to Japan at the time. So Crystal K is up there. It's a fabulous singer. And then the other person, other favorite is Shin Naringo. Shin Naringo has been around actually I think her and and Crystal K both debuted in like the late 90s. But anyway, uh, Shinaringo is a singer, songwriter, instrumentalist. She, uh, for a long time, was with a band called Tokyo Jihen. And they actually just reunited, so they, like, they just came back recently. But Shinaringo is, I don't know, she has this like rock background, but as she's gotten older and as the years gone on, she's incorporated more jazz into her music. So it's like kind of this rock jazz fusion, I guess you could say. I don't know. I just really enjoy how expressive she is. I love how she sings. She's just really captivating to me, um, the way she sings and the music that she writes. So yes, top four in singing artists would be Crystal K and Shinaringo. And they're both artists in Japan. Next, I have a couple questions from my friend Marley, who was also the guest on episode 19. So her first question reads, With two years being a podcaster, what about podcasting was the most surprising to you? What did you learn that you weren't expecting to learn? I learned that people will surprise you. And that's mostly in a positive sense. <laughs> you know, um... When I started, I didn't think I would be able to get anyone who wanted to be a guest because I wasn't sure if my idea was good or I wasn't sure if, if anyone would want to talk to me anyway. But you know, most people that I've reached out to or even people who have reached out to me seem to be really um, interested in, in this podcast and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And they seem to be, be very supportive and you know, they want to participate as well. You know, if you tell people what you're doing, they might be a lot more supportive and a lot more excited about it than you think. Um, negative side of it, I won't talk about, but you know, people, people just be people in sometimes, and sometimes it can be like really strange, sometimes hurtful, but yeah, people will surprise you. Uh, that's not something I'd 
I wasn't aware of, but in this context, that's definitely something that I've realized in a new way through doing this show. I think something else that I've learned about podcasting is that just because you are not as unique or special as you thought doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep going. So (laughs) I'll explain what I mean. So before, you know, creating this podcast and, and doing social media for it, I really didn't realize how much travel content is out there. Of course, I knew it was a popular thing that people like to talk about, but seeing firsthand how much is out there, it kind of made me feel like, oh, all these other people are doing travel-related stuff. What does anyone need me for? You know, like, (laughs) where do I fit? Like, they got it. What am I here for? Yeah, and it's funny because, you know what, before I started the show, when I was in the process of of starting the show, I did try to do my research and see what other uh, study abroad podcasts were out there. At the time, I didn't really find that many, and I didn't find any with my particular focus, you know, uh, with focusing on experiences of, of people of color studying abroad. So, you know, I did my due diligence as far as that goes, but even then, I didn't really, actually, I still don't listen to other travel podcasts. I I think that was (laughs) listening to travel shows, except for um, there's a podcast called On She Goes. And I think I was listening to that for a while. Yeah, like I don't travel. Travel shows were just not something I was I was really into. I guess I'm still kind of not even though I create one. And so I don't know. It's hard. I think I do have enough of a unique angle to feel like there's a reason for me to do this show but there have been times where I was really questioning like where I fit or what my what my purpose is in all this but you know my point is that you don't have to let not feeling special enough stop you from doing what you want to do like you still have something to contribute That's kind of been a humbling thing that I've learned. But you know, it has also helped me like reframe my sense of motivation. Because it's like, oh man, I can't compete. I don't know how to compete with these people. I don't want to compete because I don't want to lose. And I remember one day I was just thinking to myself. And I had another thought come up and it was like, okay, you don't feel like you can compete? Then don't. Don't compete. Just focus on doing what you want to do. Don't pay too much attention to what other people are doing or how they're doing it or what their results or whatever seem to be compared to yours. Just do what you want to do the way that you want to do it and just focus on that because then at the very least you will have gotten some enjoyment out of it. I hope that wasn't too long-winded. But yes, that's what those are two big lessons that I've learned so far as far as podcasting goes. I hope that helps. I hope you weren't asking about more technical things. I guess I can talk about that at another time. So next question from Marley is, after hearing so many stories, are there any places or countries you really would like to see now? Well, I answered that already. Or have you written off any places? Do some places seem more difficult for people of color to reside in than others? 
So I wouldn't say that I've written any places off. As far as places that seem more difficult, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like if you if you if you've been able to survive so far in America, you might be all right pretty much anywhere else because racism, anti-blackness is everywhere, but they don't be having guns everywhere. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm so pretty much open to anywhere. <laughs> I feel like if you're a black person, a person of color, a dark-skinned person, it's it's probably gonna be a little difficult for you no matter where you go. Or maybe not, you never know. But uh, yeah. Next few questions are from my friend Sho. First question from Sho is, what is the most formative experience that you've experienced while abroad that stuck with you the most? Most joyful experience? They could be one and the same. Hmm. I don't know that I could pick something as the most formative experience because I feel like all of our experiences are formative, you know, as we go along. And I think every travel experience has something to teach you, something that you can learn from and, and carry with you and cherish even after that, that trip or that experience has ended. So most formative, I don't think I could pick that. But as far as joyful, I got one. I got one. Um, I don't know if it's the most joyful, but I know I felt like a lot of joy in that moment. So I went to South Korea with my friend Sharon from episode 24. And we were there to spend time with our mutual friend Andy from episode 22. Well, I've really had a lot of my friends on this show, haven't I? <laughs> Wow, thank you all, thank you. Um, but yes, yeah, so we were in South Korea, the three of us, and this was in February of 2018. So that was the same month that Black Panther came out, the movie Black Panther. Um, I actually saw the movie <laughs> Black Panther in South Korea, and during our, our time there, we were mostly in the Seoul metropolitan area, but during that trip we did uh, go down to Busan for a few days. And in Busan, we went to Gwangali Beach. We were walking around there at night and it was real, you know, there was a lot of people, a lot of activity down there. And we came upon this statue of T'Challa on Gwangali Beach. I think uh, Disney had put it there for promotional purposes because Gwangali Beach, if you ever go, it faces the diamond bridge that, that they had filmed that car chase scene on. And so um, Andy and Sharon were walking ahead of me, and so they saw it first. And they were like, "Oh, Danielle, come here, come here, come here! You gotta see this!" And I was like, well, "What are they? What are they rushing me for? What's what's going on?" And I saw it, and I I don't I don't I'm camera shy. Okay, I don't pose for pictures or videos willingly. <laughs> but I tell you, I gave them my phone or my camera my you know, my actual camera so quickly. And I was like, oh, take a picture, take a picture, please take a picture. I had the Wakanda forever salute, you know, the Wakanda salute with my arms cr uh, crossed across my chest. And I was so happy in that moment because it was just like, oh my gosh, like there's a statue of this black man. <laughs> and he was actually black. I actually looked like, you know, in between like the mask he was wearing, he was definitely like a black person <laughs> that the statue was representing in South Korea of all places. That was an amazing moment, you know, because I just seen the movie 
but you know that was a moment if you if you were paying attention and February 2018 and the few months that followed after that, Black Panther was a moment. And to be experiencing Black Panther and also experiencing Korea, which is a place that I hadn't expected to be um, at that point in time in my life, a really amazing experience, very touching. And I definitely felt joyful in that moment and throughout the whole trip. Next question from show is, what's your favorite part in the process of creating episodes? What's the most exhausting part of the whole process? So the most exhausting part is definitely editing. I think anyone who works with audio or video uh, can attest to how <laughs> strenuous editing can be. Uh, I think for me, it makes it difficult because, you know, I have to listen through these recordings and hear myself talking and I'm not a person who enjoys hearing myself talk but you know that's that's the most time-consuming part it's the most difficult part it's the part that I guess I might even dread the most but once that's done you know that's like again the most strenuous part so once that's done I can just enjoy putting the rest of the episode together and usually it's not so bad it's just like getting started I was like, okay, you know, I'm in the groove again, putting this new episode together and all that. Uh, most favorite part in the process is, I think my favorite part is that moment just after I finish an interview, because I go into every interview nervous. But that moment after an interview has just ended and, and you know, the guest has just logged off and the recording has stopped. And just that moment of being like, oh man, that was great. I did it again. I managed to do it again. And I had a nice conversation. And now I have another episode I can look forward to putting out. You know, that that moment where I, I think those type of thoughts and get to, you know, feel good about what I've just done and what I can look forward to. And, and it's all good. So that would be my favorite part. And do I have another favorite part? Let's see. Hearing myself laugh in interviews as I'm editing is so much fun. Like, it makes, I hear myself laugh and then it makes me laugh along, like all over again. <laughs> it's actually quite delightful. So yeah, that's, I would say that's my other favorite part. Next question from Shell is, do you have any people whose sound or tone of their literal voice you just appreciate and love? Um, does it soothe you? bring joy to your life I would say so speaking I guess I'll say my mom I'm really close to my mom and a lot of times I'll like call her just to be like oh I just wanted to hear your voice I think it's more so the fact that she's my mom I don't know that it's her literal voice I mean my mom has a nice voice she has this she still has this accent from <laughs> growing up in Louisville, even though she hasn't lived in Louisville for like decades. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking speaking voice, I would say my mom's my mom's voice definitely uh, I appreciate and it soothes me and brings me joy. Singing wise, I'm sure this won't be a surprise to you, show, but singing wise, I'd have to give it to Leanne Le Havis. She's a British singer. She just, oh, she's one of my favorite singers. I can't even describe it. She's perfect. She's just perfect. And she's just, 
Uh, so yeah, Leanne the Hobbit. Oh, and Ella Fitzgerald, of course. Ella Fitzgerald is. Um, I mean, what can I say? She's Ella Fitzgerald. She really. Um, I think her, Ella Fitzgerald, and Leanne the Hobbit both have helped me find my own voice as far as singing goes. Uh, helped me feel out my own voice and feel, you know, that urge to sing. That's it. They're the type of singers. When I listen to them, I feel summoned, and I feel like I have to sing too. That's what those two singers do for me. So yeah, Leanne the Havis and Ella Fitzgerald. There you go. And last question from show is: Has doing this podcast made you embrace and appreciate your voice more? Hmm. Well, as I mentioned with the editing thing, uh, I still am not eager. To listen to myself talk, I think at first it was really difficult. It was like I was having an existential crisis almost every time I would start to edit an episode because it was just like, oh man, is that how I talk? Why do I sound like that? Why do I talk like that? Why am I just like that? Like why, you know, you know, just being really hard on myself. But I think now, even though it can still be challenging, I judge myself less. And I can focus more on thinking about, oh, this was a really great time. I really enjoyed this conversation. Isn't it nice that I get to revisit it again while in this editing process? Um, or isn't it going to be great when I'm I'm done with this part and I can put the episode together? Or, oh man, I'm so looking forward to when this episode is out. Um, you know, thinking about it that way. Yeah, so I guess in a way it has. I guess it has um, made me uh, embrace and appreciate my voice more in the in the literal sense. I don't know if you mean my voice in terms of like making myself seen or heard in a more general sense. I would say, yeah, I guess I would say yes to that as well. I think previously I mentioned how, <laughs> like way before i ever thought of doing this show i declined a friend's invitation to to be on their podcast because i didn't think i had anything interesting to say uh i still struggle with that now but now now i know that i do have something to say i do have ideas worth hearing worth sharing or worth reading at this point you know i've had 61 guests like i've had people who want to talk to me you know i'm sure some people are do want to do it for i guess promotional purposes or whatever you know if that's their thing but you know the fact is a major part of that process is spending time to talk to me about their experiences and so if they're willing to speak to me and if they're coming away with it saying oh i had a really great time or you know, I really enjoyed talking to you, you know, things like that, then that must mean something. That must mean that I'm someone worth talking to. <laughs> Doing this podcast has definitely helped in that way as well. So my last question is from my friend Yasha. She was the guest on episode three. And so uh, this is what she sent me. <laughs> Congratulations for all the fabulous things you've done with your pod. 2020 has presented a lot of changes. What have you changed in the way you present your pod this year compared to past episodes? And what's your future direction? So, I... 
I remember when she sent me this question and I said, thank you for sending me a question that I feel wholly unprepared to answer. And even after thinking about it, I think um, I feel that this is a question or, you know, a set of questions that I'm going to have to carry with me going forward. Um, definitely something to think about and formulate as time goes on. But for now, I will say, uh, what have you changed in the way you present your pod this year? You know, I don't know that I've changed anything in the way that I present the show. I think I've been really consistent in that. And I'm not sure if that means that I just did a really good job laying this thing out when I started so that I don't have to change. Or if that means maybe I'm there's something I'm not paying attention to and that I do need to start changing things up. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but I don't think much has changed in terms of how I present the show. How I approach the show is definitely different. Um, because as, I, as I've uh, mentioned or alluded to previously, you know, when I started the show, I really didn't have... I was hopeful, but I didn't think I could hope for too much. And so... And I wasn't expecting people to want to participate. And so when people did, when I invited people to be a guest and they did accept, I think I felt almost overly grateful as if they were doing me a favor. And now I can look at it more as an exchange. You know, I'm not, they're not just doing me a favor. Um, As I said, some people, you know, want to promote whatever they have going on and that's, that's fine. because they get their name out there, what they're doing out there, and obviously I have more material to continue doing the show. Also, as I mentioned, you know, people, there's something that people gain just from the process of, of doing the interview with me outside of potentially promoting themselves or, or whatever, you know? So, again, I see it more as like a mutual, a mutually beneficial thing as opposed to just my guest doing me a favor. And let's see. Oh, what's my future direction, right? I have no idea. (laughs) I think this whole podcast, this whole process has been just me, you know, just trying to try things as I go and teaching myself and, and seeking out knowledge and information of how to do you know, I had a vision in mind. I've always had like a vision of how I want things to look, how I want things to sound, but learning how to actually do that and, and then finding people to to be a part of it, you know, that's been something that has developed as I went along. Um, I wasn't really thinking ahead too far in the future because again, I didn't think it would last. Well, I wasn't thinking about how long it would last. I think I was really just focused on the moment on a like week to week or, you know, bi-weekly basis so I don't know what my future direction is I know I think I mentioned last year in the first anniversary episode that uh, I have a magic number I call it a magic number I don't know why I call it that it's not magic but (laughs) I have a magic a number in mind of episodes that I want to reach and I keep that number in mind so that I don't quit so that I don't give up and I'm sure it's a fairly easy number to guess. I won't say what it is, but it's obviously higher than 61. 
so <laughs> I still haven't reached that number yet so I'm still you know trying to focus on uh, trying to push toward that to have like a vast array a vast collection of, of stories that people can listen to beyond that I think I might try to do more outreach like actually getting the word out to different like high schools and universities I think for the past two years I was just trying to focus on making the best podcast that I could like doing my best to make the show and then seeing what happened organically but if the purpose of the show is to if one of the purposes is to show people what their options can be and people who are in that typical study abroad range are not accessing the show for one reason or another if they don't even know about it then you know am I really accomplishing all of what I set out to do so I think even though it's terrifying I think <laughs> reaching out to more academic institutions mostly high school and universities would be a good thing just to let people I guess let more people know about the show on purpose you know instead of just waiting to see who finds it I think that's something that I'm gonna be working or putting more effort behind going forward and besides that I don't really know so uh, thank you all thank you low hustle diamond Marley show and Yasha for sending me your wonderful questions um, I hope you enjoyed my answers and now let's get to some guest responses so last year for the first anniversary episode I emailed all my guests two questions that I was hoping they would answer and the first question again ties in with the the theme of this podcast but also the the whole concept of Juneteenth and that question is what does freedom of movement mean to you that's the first question second question is uh, inspired by a man named Ranzo he's a Jamaican man who lives in Japan but he has this awesome uh, YouTube channel called the black experience Japan where he interviews black people who live in Japan and all throughout Asia and so I I'm quite behind I haven't um, watched his videos in a while but for for a long time he was asking his guests this question which was if the world were listening to you right now what would you say and so I asked the same question of my guests that was the second question that I sent people so I did that last year and it turned out pretty well I did that this year as well so I have a few responses to share so first, I'm going to play a voice memo that Jasmine from episode 44 sent me. And then I'm going to read a couple of emails from Naima or NB from episode 54 and Devana from episode 60. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? Freedom of movement allows an individual to come and go as they please, which most of us know as travel. It can be as small as traveling within the community or traveling abroad. Although those freedoms are naturally granted to us, we have to be sure to follow the regulations such as 
possession of the correct supporting documents. Examples are passports, green cards, etc. Yes, freedom of movement is a right, but freedom is defined on perception. A person is allowed to travel due to the fact that it is a right, but there are barriers in a way to interfere with that right. The common barriers include the racist passport photo systems, the safe spaces for minorities to travel, etc., which makes us question if having freedom really means being free. If the world were listening to you right now, what would you say? If I had the world's attention right now, I would say that even though social media is at its prime and has so much good to offer, there is still a world outside of it. Sometimes we find ourselves so consumed in it that we don't appreciate what is given to us at face value. We don't travel without showing off. We don't research anything at our own leisure, but everything is simply to show. With that being said, I would say go live your life for you. Enjoy every moment and don't let it pass you by. All right. Thank you, Jasmine, for sharing your thoughts. And next, I'll read an email from NB. And her email goes as follows. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for this message. Nice to hear from you. Congratulations on your upcoming podcast anniversary. I've been thinking of people I know in the U.S. the past few weeks, and I hope you have been doing okay. Sending solidarity and best wishes from the side from this side of the border. How has remember NB is from Canada, so <laughs> so uh, she continues. How has travel podcasting been for you the past few months? Sports podcasters I know have had to get quite creative to talk sports while sports are on hold. <laughs> and I told her I haven't I haven't changed anything. So for the podcast, I'm not sure if my thoughts are much relevant, but if you'd like to use any of this, here are some ideas on freedom of movement. Studying abroad made me think about freedom of movement in new ways. The past few pandemic months, even more so. Freedom of movement is the wind in your sails, the child skipping on the sidewalk, warm air in your breath, a grandma shuffle dance on a parquet floor. It's freedom to move free from harm and harassment or eyes on your back. It's discovery, recovery, wide eyes, and a different mind when the journey is done. It's connection, necessity, essential purpose, and too rare for too many people. May the freedom to move in safety, free from harm and harassment, be a freedom for all of us. All the best. NB. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, MB. And then from Devana, I have, hello, congratulations. Uh, first question, what does freedom of movement mean to you? So for this one, considering the podcast theme, it's my ability to leave my country. That's not something that others from different countries have the ability to do at all. And if they do, it can be pricey, complicated, and timely. All of those steps don't even guarantee approval. And then the next question, if the world were listening to you right now, what would you say? This is a tough one. I just implore people to think beyond themselves and consider others. Thanks, Devana. Wow. Uh, thank you again to Jasmine and NB and Devana for responding to my questions and sharing your thoughts. 
um, and such relevant responses to um, those questions given the current times. Uh, I hope you are all well and I appreciate you all for sharing. So next I got some people to thank and a little tidbit of advice to share before we get out of here. So let's get to it. Gonna turn this music back on. So thank yous. I feel like I have so many people to thank. I think when I did this <laughs> celebratory episode last year, I think I spent like 30 some minutes just thanking people. I'm not gonna spend uh, that much time because I know uh, this episode is, is kind of getting long anyway. But a few key people that I want to thank. First, of course, my mom. She's everything. And what can I say? She's my favorite person. She's very supportive. She's helped me a lot along the way. And I would not be who I am and where I am without her support and her love and understanding. So thanks, Mom. I love you. (laughs) Next, I want to thank my therapist. I think I mentioned uh, at the end, before I did my hiatus last year in November, that I had started going to therapy again in August, I think. So it's been, oh wow, it's been like almost a year. Wow, time flies. I do not know if you listen to the show, but if you do happen to hear this, thank you for helping me start to get back on track and doing your job very, very well thank you. I also want to thank just anyone who's uh, given me an encouraging word. If you've ever taken the time to express appreciation for the show or, you know, appreciation for me, please know that I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. I do take that very seriously (laughs) and I do not take it for granted. So thank you so much for helping to boost my morale and and to let me know that the show is doing something significant and that, um, you know, this whole thing is worthwhile. Thank you all so much. I also want to thank my friend Morgan Davis, aka Morgan E. Liz, who also runs Distinctly Creative out in Washington, D.C. Morgan designed the logo for Young, Gifted, and Abroad two years ago and also set the color scheme based on the input that I gave her at the time. So thank you once again, Morgan, for your role in the visual, I guess, (laughs) the visual aspect of this podcast. Thank you very much for that. I also want to thank, even though she will never hear or be able to understand this, I also want to acknowledge my dog, Julia whom I have repeatedly referred to as my associate producer, (laughs) which she doesn't do. Obviously, she doesn't. (laughs) Obviously, that's just a playful title to give to my dog. Um, But really, she's just a really good companion and a very sensitive and affectionate dog. So I appreciate her for that. So thank you, Julia. And I also want to give props to Proletaire or Proletaire. I still don't know how to pr- 
properly pronounce his name, but he's a beat maker and producer from Toulouse, France, and he created the background music that you hear in Young, Gifted, and Abroad episodes. Obviously, he didn't create that music specifically for me, but he seems to approve. So, thank you. <laughs> and of course, if you're listening to the show right now, I want to thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you have been enjoying the show, whether this is your first time listening or if you've been listening for the longest. I appreciate you. You are a blessing to me just by listening to this show. And I'm sure even if I don't know you, that you are a blessing to others as well. So thank you for spending your time listening to the show. And I hope it has given you something valuable and inspiring and informative and hopefully a little entertaining as well so thank you all so much for listening and last but not least i have to thank all of the people who were guests on young gifted and abroad during this second year of this podcast so thank you to nena ralph peter jasmine tiffany taylor michelle Camille Eddy, Nina, Floor, Brittany, Kofi, Dr. Daniels, NB, Zakira, Nivi, Alec, B, Camille Cower, Devana, and Katrina. Thank you to all of you for spending time with me, telling me about your stories and agreeing to be guests on Young, Gifted, and Abroad. I appreciate you being willing to talk about where you've gone and what you've done so that other people can learn and be inspired by you. Thank you all so much, and uh, I wish nothing but the best for each and every one of you. So, I know I've been here for a while. But last but not least, as I mentioned for my usual like 10 cents or like reflective type episodes, I usually end with some sort of advice or lesson that I want to share with whoever's hearing it. Uh, I think this time around it's more so like an affirmation. So recently I finished reading the well-read Black Girl Anthology, uh, which was edited by Glory Edom who runs Well Read Black Girl. If you don't know about that website or that um, Instagram page, online community, please check it out. It's really great. There's uh, a whole bunch of different black woman writers who are featured in this book, including Lynn Nottage, who is a playwright. And I think it's either an essay or an interview that she gave that's included in this book. And I'm going to read a part of it for you because it has to do with the affirmation I want to leave you with. Uh, This is from page 143 of Well-Read Black Girl, the essay or interview entitled Putting Women Center Stage. And it reads, in Lynn Nottage's words, She was the first woman I encountered personally who was writing plays. She introduced me to the notion that one could do it as a profession that it could be more than just a fun hobby. I had always thought that eventually I was going to have to go on to much more quote unquote serious pursuits because I would never be able to turn playwriting into a living. 
But Paula taught me that I could be rewarded for leaning into my passion. And that last line has stuck with me ever since I read it. I could be rewarded for leaning into my passion. Because, yeah, I, I've definitely been one of those people who has been tempted to shy away from what I really feel is in my heart for me to do uh, versus what I feel like I should do or need to do, what I think will get me the results that I want. So I do that instead of, you know, what I might actually be passionate about. And even with the show, you know, is podcasting my passion, like capital P, passion? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. But it's something that I'm passionate about. I believe in what I'm doing. And it's been incredibly rewarding. So how much more so rewarding would that be if we were to lean into what we're really passionate about? What those deeply held, cherished, maybe even secret passions that are always, you know, just always there what a concept that instead of potentially setting yourself up for failure disappointment or maybe even being punished whatever those type of qualms you might have about following your passion imagine actually being rewarded for that yeah so to close out this anniversary episode and also to close out the second year of young gifted and abroad what i want to leave you with is this affirmation. You can be rewarded for leaning into your passion. You will be rewarded for leaning into your passion. You are rewarded for leaning into your passion. May that be true for you all. May that be true for me as well. And I hope that that helps you along the way to do whatever it is that you feel you're meant to do. And yeah, that's it for me this time. Thank you again for another year. I'm going to keep going with Young Gifted and Abroad. I don't have any plans of stopping this podcast anytime soon. Today is Juneteenth, or by the time you hear this, it will be uh, Juneteenth. And I will be back with a new regular episode in July. So you can look forward to that in July, like I said. (laughs) But until then, thank you all so much for listening and talk to you next time.